we also have to stop and think of the realities and the ramifications of change. And that ramification and that result is sometimes we lose people because they can't make that change. And sometimes they were really good people in the old system. Is this so important that we're willing to leave some people behind that can't make this adjustment? Welcome to Access Points, the podcast where we discuss the tools, habits, and ideas that can help you achieve and maintain the leadership mindset so you can reach peak performance. Are you ready for your all-access pass to some of the top minds on the topic of leadership? Let's get started. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Access Points podcast. As always, I'm Davin Marceau, the Chief Operating Officer for Access eForms, and I'm here today, and it's been a while since I've done a podcast with our owner and CEO, Mr. Tim Elliott. How are you doing? It's been nice, hasn't it? Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's... Uh, it's like we we're going opposite directions these days. I'm in the office. You're not. You're traveling. I'm not. You're welcome. <laughs> it's it's been nice. It's been stress free. But I think it's been probably a couple months since you and I have sat in the room and done a podcast. I think it has. This will be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to today. Yeah, and here we sit in Q4. We're finally in the fourth quarter of the interesting game that has been 2020. <laughs> game is game is an interesting word to choose. Yeah, I, I had to keep it PG. And as Tim knows, I'm a huge Atlanta Falcons fan. Died in the wool, grew up Falcons fan, lived in Georgia for, for many years. And it's always been the team that I followed. As most people know, there's no such thing as a bandwagon Falcons fan because we've had about five seasons um, that have been worth noting in franchise history. And so I recall back to when the Falcons played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And what was it? About 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And we were up 28 to three. And then the comeback that everybody knows about happened. And to this day, I still haven't watched a highlight of it. But I say all that to say, I feel like I entered the fourth quarter of 2020 down 28 to three. <laughs> <laughs> and the Patriots just keep coming back. Yeah, I, I totally get that. And I, from, a, from a, a Falcon fan's perspective, I get it. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting ride 2020 has. But again, here we sit in Q4. And interesting topic for us to talk about today, Tim. And it's the concept of change management. As we get to the end of the year, business owners, they're looking across the organization, figuring out how they're going to kind of finalize their capital expenditures, or maybe through the first three quarters, they've implemented new software such as CRMs like us or new um, ticketing systems like us. We transitioned over to Zendesk. And what we always find is that the implementation of the software itself or the widget or whatever it is that we're implementing is it's easy. It just takes a little bit of resources, takes a little bit of time. We put all this time implementing this new software. And at the end of it, we find out that our people hate it. They don't like it. They don't use it. And today's going to be a good topic to talk about why and the importance behind change management as leaders and how we effectively train our people to support the new system and the mindset and the leadership that comes along with that. So a good topic today. Yeah, this should be good. You know, we've done our fair share of implementing technologies. So yeah, it'll be fun to talk about, especially the part of, you know, what led you to that or how did you come up with the idea to do that? And then how did it then transfer into reality? Sure. I think a piece of new software always starts with a business need or at least a perceived business need. And for us, you know, what was it? I think Q1, we, we took a look, we had a really old ticketing system. What was it called? Fusion, Kayako Fusion or something? Yeah, we actually uh, inherited that with an acquisition we did back in, wow, whenever that was, many, many years ago. <laughs> and we inherited that. It was their ticketing system. And uh, we really didn't have one necessarily. And uh, yeah, so we just, we just kind of brought that one in as ours at that point. And that's an interesting word to use, ours. 
because it was old. It was it wasn't even supported anymore, right? It was. It was. It was for a while, and the last probably four years, three years, it wasn't really supported. Yeah. And then, so we had a business need to replace this system. And we went through the process and it was actually a failed process in the beginning. I think the, the first one that we picked out, we were trying to go with, was it HubSpot's ticketing system? Actually, there was one before that. It was one of theirs, go to ticket. I can't remember so what I the name it was. was. Resource Hub, whatever, whatever it was. Whatever it, what was. it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. So this is our third iteration of trying one. And, you know, it goes back to what was the need and what were we trying to accomplish mm-hmm. with it? And each time I think what happened was, is what we were trying to accomplish was all the same. The way we were going to go about it was all different. Right. At the end of the day, it's, it's with the end state of supporting your customers and providing a mechanism to reach out if they're having trouble with the software, right? Yeah, and, and doing that in an efficient way mm-hmm. that makes sense, that's as automated as possible. Sure. And so we found out that the system that we had, it was old, it was antiquated, and we needed to, to update it in order to be able to support our customers better, to track the, what software they happen to be utilizing, what version control, et cetera. And again, with the end state of being able to render high level of customer support to our customers. But again, it's that operative word of ours. And we landed on Zendesk, which is a Cadillac piece of software in the industry. And the implementation process was certainly arduous. But again, that wasn't the most troubling aspect of all of this. It was getting our people to buy into it. Because again, we use that word ours as antiquated and as old as something like Fusion happened to be. It's what our people knew. Right. And it's what they were comfortable with and where they were used to operating on a day-to-day basis. And so again, it's that change management, not of the piece of software, but the training and the mindset of our people was and is, and still remains to this day, the biggest limiting factor of using that software effectively. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny you say that. And we're talking about this. I was actually working with my father the other day. He had an old, old computer. And I think he was still running like Windows 95 or something. I can confirm that. And and he knew it. I mean, he knew that thing inside and out. He had, I mean, it was great until it got to the point where the computer was basically about to die. And he's like, well, let me just, can I just get another computer with that operating system? I'm like, well, they, they won't run that anymore. You have to get a new one. And so, you know, we're trying to move that over to surface to Windows 10 and it just blew him away. And even though the new operating system is so much easier, it's easier to find things, you can search things, you know, we get so attuned to how things work. I can remember, I come, I'm old, I'm older than you by more than a couple of years. And, you know, it was back in the old DOS prompt days where everything was DOS based and, mm-hmm. and I knew that. And so to move to something different and move that change into, to, even though it was easier to do, things were in a different place and I had to do different things. It was not real comfortable and it wasn't real fun. And there was pushback even myself. And just like my father going to a new operating system, there's that comfort in what we know, even though it's more difficult. Right. And I think comfort is a huge word there. It's what they're used to dealing with. You know, life can be stressful enough. And so we like to go to areas that make us comfortable, be it a home, be it a work, be it a recreation, whatever it is. And so when, whenever, especially in a year like 2020, where so much has changed and the operative norms across the industry and across our lives have just been rocked, being able to wrap your brain around wholesale change to a piece of software that your professional life revolves around can be really, really challenging because again, it almost just straight freaks people out. It does. And, and, you know, it's funny, we're sitting here talking about this and we actually sell and implement software (laughs) into very large health systems. And yet, you know, we struggle internally with some of these things. And then we expect our customers just to go, you know, whole hog and implement everything at once. And it's funny perspective. Yeah. And and we get frustrated when they don't. Yeah. And 
oftentimes for us, what dictates success or failure isn't the implementation of the software itself. It's end user acceptance. It is. And I've learned a lot Mm -hmm. about what not to do over the last 20 years and, uh, you know, still learning on what to do, but, you know, we've done a few things right, probably in the last three years right? on learning how to do things the right way for us anyway. Sure. So hopefully we can share some of those things. Today. Yeah. And, and that's a really good jumping off point for this is let's share some of those stories over the last 20 years of successes and failures that you've seen across, across your companies and how our listeners can learn from that and glean lessons from that and, and be successful change managers for their company. So sure. can you recall back to a time where just an implementation, be it of our software or a piece of software inside the organization was just a wholesale failure. I'm excited to hear about this actually. Yeah. Way back in the day, the the actual system that runs our company is (laughs) we were spreaded off from another organization. The organization was a service-based sales-based organization. So it really fit in well with the software system too. But I can remember back when uh, we first went from the original system, which was kind of more of a, I think it was a Unix-based system and uh, a lot of dot prompt stuff. And everybody knew what the, the fast keys, the F keys meant. And after about three or four or five or six years, everybody knew where everything was and how to get places very easily with hotkeys. And so you probably don't remember these things, but it was like an F2 or an F5 gets you to this screen. So instead of going through three different screens, you could hit this one button and it takes you straight to this screen, right? So kind of like what we do with on the Max, where mm-hmm. we go command shift, you know, four or command shift P or command P. It, it was that. And so getting people understanding when you, when someone would onboard with us, we would literally go through and have this little template you put over the keyboard and teach them where they are. And then they become memorized and they just take the template away. And so we went from that to, they sold the system, that company sold out to another company. And so uh, it, it completely changed what the software looked like on the front end, but the back end was the same. And it through everybody. I mean, everybody kept going back to for at least six months, you know, I need my hotkeys. I need my hotkeys. And so the software company we're dealing with said, well, we've gone away from hotkeys. We're not going back. The easy thing for them to do would be to say, well, we'll we'll incorporate hotkeys with this. But the problem with doing that is you don't really learn the additional functionality you get. So trying to get them to go to that. and, And it took about six months and actually some turnover actually happened mm-hmm. during that time. But once we learned that, we actually were able to get better financials. And we were actually get financials the day after we closed the month rather than 30 days after we closed the month. And so there were some good things that took place. But I think it took everyone getting comfortable with it and getting used to it and being told this is what we're going to do. And then getting them to understand, and this is kind of a, you know, with, with the failures that we had of that for six months, you know, I think the takeaway from that was, is to show the user, show your employees the benefits they're going to gain from it. And, and the key to is don't give them a demo. Don't give them the sales bill. Give them two or three things. We'll talk more about this when it comes to our CRM success that we've had over the last three years. Give them two or three successes of how this is going to make their job better. And just focus on those three things, learning those three things. And and that was what took that from a failure to a success was seeing people really squirm and flip flop with the software to really accepting it and making it their own. I think we make the assumption that they are going to share our excitement level with this implementation of this piece of software. Mm -hmm. Right. But what we oftentimes fail to account for 
is that, again, they've been doing it this specific way for a long time. And so we throw this piece of software in front of them. We take away their hotkeys. Was there robust training? Was there any training in this? Or was it just an, an expectation of here it is? It was here it is and let's train together. You know, we were a very small company back then. Sure. Nobody came in to train or, you know, there was a, a training that was done, I think, uh, in a conference room. And it was general stuff, Got it. Uh, but it was a, a scary thing for day one to walk in and you have to do your job with a system you don't understand. Hmm. Yeah, that wasn't fun. That wasn't fun. Now that I think back about that, thank you. It's it's uh, it's it brings all the fear and terror back. So yeah, <laughs> so thanks for the memories. That's what I do well. I, I love to point out things that that uh, that weren't as productive in the before Davin era. It's kind of it's kind of <laughs> one of my things that I do here at Access. So um, I like to remind him of that almost daily. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, good. That'll come. That'll come in handy later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. End, end of your review time is coming up. So uh, again, one of the things that I think we realize often, Tim, is that we expect them to be excited we don't really train them and then we don't provide them a little bit of the why behind why we're doing what we're doing. We're like, Hey, here's this, this piece of software. Here's this new CRM. Here's this new ticketing system. It's going to be better, but we don't train them how their activity changes daily are going to, you know, contribute to overall organizational success. And I think that's a big part of this too, is I don't know if we ever really sit down and clearly communicate why we're doing what we're doing and then give them clear expectations for how they can be successful within this new piece of software. And I think that's a huge element behind change management um, at the end user level is show them how it's going to make their job better. Show them how they're going to support the customer better. Show them how, again, what they do will contribute to overall team and organizational success. I think is a really big part of that. And, and I mean, we can all recall a hundred times in the past where we were just like, Hey, here it is. You know, this was before training was a big thing. And before the why was a big thing, we just gave it to them and, and expected them to be successful with it. And, and, you know, you contrast that with, you know, talking, talking about CRMs, you know, I can remember, I guess three years ago when Cody came to us with the idea, he had a friend mm -hmm. that uh, had used um, the CRM that we use, we use HubSpot. There's lots of good ones out there, but HubSpot's what we landed on. But they had had a ton of success and had all these incredible things they were doing with it. And so we saw that success and said, wow, if we could, if we could do half of that, that would be a huge win for us. You know, I can remember at the beginning is, you know, first thing we did was try to get the database, everything in the database, and then try to get the reps using it and, you know, gave them all these different reasons why and, and try to, you know, here's what we're going to do. And here's the plan. And we're going to switch over to this completely in three months. And there was pushback and there was pushback and, you know, they would go enter all their stuff in the way they always did it on cards or in their system. And then because we told them they had to, they would then go and, and spend all Friday afternoon entering that stuff into HubSpot. It's like, well, that's not really what it was designed to do. That's not why we're doing it. But for them, they couldn't be efficient with their jobs and do their jobs well and still do everything we ask them to do inside of HubSpot at the beginning. It was so new and it was in their minds, it was extra work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was easy for us to sit back and go, wow, but you can automate all this stuff that you're doing mentally right now or on cards or you know, however you're doing it, it's easier to do it here. But because they'd never done it that way before, it actually made the beginning of the implementation, it made it very inefficient. And, and I think that's one of the big takeaways that you're, that everyone has to understand when they implement anything like that is, you know, for the first little bit, there's going to be some inefficiencies. And, you know, even though the system you have now may not be that great, people know it and they can be as efficient as they know how to be. And what they know is efficiency is there. 
and what you foresee when you purchase a system or you subscribe to a system and the vision you have for that system is efficiency. And so it, you feel for the first sometimes week or sometimes months that you become less efficient. And the reality is you kind of do, mm-hmm. but you know, there's, there's a curve there where people begin to accept that change and they begin to see, yeah, there is a different way of doing this. And yeah, I can do this. Or, you know, it's a fine line between mandating that change, especially with our salespeople. You have to do this. This is your job and you get paid to do this. And pushback they get of making things so inefficient, trying to make you go back to the other way, right? Of mandating those changes versus getting someone to buy into why we're doing it. And it's it's difficult because at the beginning, no one really wants to buy into it. They get it. They hear you. They hear why. But it's so difficult and so inefficient at the beginning that they don't want to. And so you're going to have some pushback with change, with any change. And you need to kind of, in a way, accept that and know that that's going to be part of the process. Well, I think we get so rigid with what we want it to look like, right? We have this pie in the sky idea, this ivory ivory tower syndrome idea that this CRM is going to work this way. And we put a box around it. When in reality, it almost has to be a build it as you fly it. And the system, you have to be willing to let the system evolve itself and the mm-hmm. process evolve itself while getting the input from those reps, mm-hmm. because they're going to help you if you if you listen to them and if you hear them out on their concerns and even their complaints sometimes, they're going to help you evolve the system and turn it into something that's going to be ultimately end up being effective. Or if you're like, you you are going to operate within this box. And frankly, you don't even know if if it's the most efficient box for your company, Mm -hmm. then you're naturally going to get pushback. Cause they're like, look, Mm -hmm. this it's, it's not working. Mm -hmm. It's not working. It's not working. And then I think the other element for that, Tim, is that if you have that sales leader, the one that needs to be most responsible and lead that thing is that sales leader. Mm-hmm. You know, cause how often do we see that the best rep or even the sales leader doesn't use the system because he's so good at operating outside of the system, right. but yet he wants to hold those reps accountable to whatever metric that we assign to them. Right. Well, the most influential one isn't doing it. Right. That makes it impossible. I mean, that's a, a train wreck coming. Yeah. You know, one of the things that that led to our eventual success with HubSpot was that other company that we knew that had been using the system successfully and being able to call them and saying, okay, we're, we're having trouble with this. Mm-hmm. What did you do here? Oh, we ran into the same thing. So what did you do? How'd you get around that? And, and it's important to listen, but you also have to understand too that, you know, the people that are going through this change don't really understand what's really there and what that change can affect in a positive way. They only see what's in front of them that day. And so I think it's a fine line between listening to them, but at the same time, having an outside person, whether that's a consultant mm-hmm. or that's another company like we used that had been using this before to be able to tell us stories that we can then tell to say, yeah, other people went through this too. And here's what they found. Here's kind of what they went through and here's where they got to this point. And I think that helps people know that this is not just me, that someone else has done this before. Someone else has gone through this before. And, and there's some light at the end of the tunnel, which, you know, one of the things I think I would change Davin going back to this is is just doing one or two things. You know, we try to come at this thing and probably do 15 things because we wanted to get to that end state that that other company had made to as quickly as we possibly could, right? And, And the reality is you can't do that. It's a very complex system. 
it's complex in that it does a lot. It's not complex in how to use it, but it's very complex in what it can do. And, and if you buy a robust system or you subscribe to a robust system, like a Zendesk or there's a, it'll do a million things mm -hmm. and it will do anything you want it to do, but you have to figure out what it is you want to do and what parts are you going to implement and which parts are you not. And, and so one of the things I'd recommend when it comes to change, especially dealing with software or anything is, is, Come at this thing going, okay, let's let's try to accomplish one or two things out of this in the first two months. What do we want to do? Our ticketing system. You know, what is it we want to accomplish with that? And we set some really simple things up. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what they were, but I know there were two or three things we set up and said, all right, guys, if we can just do these two or three things to start with, this will make our customers' lives easier and it'll make our life easier. And we didn't have a lot of automation set up at the time. We were just trying to make the ticketing system simple. And, and I think we accomplished that pretty quick mm -hmm. is everybody kind of bought into the idea of, okay, this is simpler and the customers are able to put in tickets easier. And, you know, there's still probably 110 things we wanted to do with it, but those first two or three things were going to get us moving. And, and it's not unlike our clients who say, look, we, we want to go after the low hanging fruit first. And, and for us, the big hit, the big savings, the big efficiencies, you know, the big wow is not always what they choose. And for us, we have to accept that, even though we want to see a huge change. We want to see the efficiencies that go along with our system. However, for them, they know what's going to get their biggest buy-in. They know where their biggest advocates are. They're going to take this thing and run with it. And once everybody else in the hospital sees those efficiencies, they're going to clamor for it too. I was talking to a couple of people internally just yesterday about that. And, and you know, we have uh, someone that just went live with some of our new technologies. And, and it went so well, it was a small group, that the other departments are fighting over who gets to be next. And because we went in and just went into a very specific small group that really had a huge need and were very successful with that, it's going to be easy to get buy-in with everyone else. And so we kind of have to do the same thing internally is find out where that biggest need is, find out where that the trouble is and say, what's the biggest win we can get that's easiest, quickest to get to and start with that. And, and I think if with HubSpot, if we just started with that, we probably gotten buy-in a little bit better for my people at the very beginning, instead of trying to hit it with 15 things and, and on this date, switch everything over to HubSpot and do all your documentation instead of HubSpot. Yeah, that didn't go so well. And that's the issue with purchasing something that's almost limitless and what it can do, be it a ticketing system, a CRM, is that you can get extremely frustrated by trying to make all of this work when you, when you don't even have a clear designated end state for what you want it to look like. So if you can at least get, get a loose idea of what you want it to look like and then backwards plan from there. And then just start eating that elephant one bite at a time, yeah, right? Yeah. And the beauty about that, Tim, is I think your end users, you know, be it internally or be it the customers for us, they start to see the ROI from it. They start mm -hmm. to see the value of the system and how much more efficient it makes their day or how much um, more efficiently they can support customers or how much more efficiently our, our customers can support patients. And, and if you're able to, to get those simple, quick wins, they see it, they feel it, they embrace it. You start to accumulate that capital needed to make the next subsequent change. Yeah. And the subject being, you know, change agents and change mentalities. I think one of the things that for us, both from internal implementation of change, as well as our customers is finding that 
advocate, mm. finding that person on that end or internally that really, really gets it. This is important. They understand it. They understand the end state. They don't have to know it perfectly, but they have to be the go-to person internally. I know that when we implement our software, having someone that really gets it, that's a super user that people can go to when they're having issues or they need help with something, or this seems really difficult. Am I doing this right? Oh no, it's actually, if you'll do this, it's super simple. Oh wow. Yeah. That makes everything different. You know, for us, it's a Lindsay. Yeah. And, and we have someone internal with HubSpot that really, really knows the software. Somebody has a question, how it works or, or what it can do. Can we do this with it? You know, we go to Lindsay and Lindsay either knows, can find out. And Lindsay goes back and trains everyone on, on the capabilities. And the life cycle of that for us was we started off with HubSpot in not a good place. And we kind of had to stop six months in or eight months in and back back up again and restart it. It wasn't HubSpot's fault. It was our fault in that we had to change the way we pushed it. We had to change the way we talked about it. We had to change what we were trying to accomplish with it. And if you look back then and look now, you know, I think we we're talking to HubSpot not long ago and we're the top like 1% of all users they have as far as of the capabilities we're pulling out of the system, where we're using the system. In fact, we're pushing them a little bit and doing some things that they didn't know that can be done with it. And so, you know, you look at where we started and where we are now and it was that key. We just took off bites at a time. That's what we learned. Let's take it a bite at a time. Let's let's learn something and utilize it and master it and then take on something else and then take on something else. And and now you look back and go, man, what in the world would we do without it? You know, it runs our whole marketing system. It runs our sales system. It runs everything that deals with touching the customer, even integrating inside of our ticketing system, Zendesk. It's everything. But we couldn't have started with that in any way. We couldn't have started with that. So I think getting people to understand that we're not going to switch over all at once. We're going to take a little step at a time. But hey, 5% of this is going to be 100% better than what we had. Right. Trying to convince people that it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to show them examples of someone else has been successful. Absolutely. And I think as you evolve the system over time, your people and their mindset and mentality evolve with it over time. And yeah. that in essence is change management. It is. And that's how you do it effective. And when you look back to the way you guys did it before, you just took away the hotkeys and we're like, Hey, just figure it out. It's, it's part of your job now. And you juxtapose that against our implementation of, of HubSpot. We kind of started that way. Mm-hmm. And we took some lumps and we had to back up and we made a loose plan and we just started working with the system, but then with our end users on a day-to-day basis. And again, that's how we as an organization have, have affected change across it. And that's why we are top 1% of all HubSpot users. We did a podcast not long ago, Davin, and it was talking about changing the way we sell. And it was about value-based selling. And it's not just software implementation uh, of change that, that we deal with, but you know, think about the process we went through of getting everyone to understand the idea of selling value over price. price, And that was just as difficult as implementing a new system. But I think once people begin to see success, they want to be a part of that. And I think that's one of the things we did right was, is when we would have a win with selling value, we would get everybody together and tell the story of how it happened and what took place. And people begin to say, well, if they can do it, then I can probably do the same thing because I'd love to sell it for more money or I'd like to be able to set myself apart from everyone else. So I think whether it's implementing software or implementing a new concept or 
changing the structure of your company. You know, I think showing people just small successes along the way and celebrating those successes pulls the rest of the group into it because they want to be part of that success. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And it also quickly isolates the ones that are unwilling to make the mental shift. And understand that there's going to be those people. There are, inevitably. But again, you did it before you took away their hotkeys and you threw it in front of them. Okay, I don't want to do this, right? And you end up having to make that decision. But now the system almost makes the decision for you. Mm -hmm. Here's why we're doing it. Here's how we're doing it. Here's what success looks like. We're going to celebrate success as we go. And if you are still going to push back against this, then it becomes a you problem, not a we problem. And then again, it almost allows, and we've seen this, Tim. We've seen it a handful of times over the last two two years is that people oftentimes will end up self-selecting out because we are unwilling to waver against the way that we do things. And you can be successful along with us and you can change along with us. But if you choose not to, well, then we'll accept that as your immediate resignation and, and there's the door. And I, and I think that's something to consider in any time you're going to make a change. You know, we get excited, especially me being a quick start. I get excited about the results, right? Mm-hmm. That's an opportunity. And I love change. I love change more than anybody does. And I, I'll stir things up and change more things and you're going to let me change. But we also have to stop and think of the realities, and the ramifications of change. And that ramification and that result is sometimes we lose people because they can't make that change. And sometimes they were really good people in the old system. And before we make that change, we decided, are we willing to do that? Is this so important that we're willing to leave some people behind that can't make this adjustment, that can't make this change. And if it's important enough, it's yes, because you'll, for every person that you lose that can't make the change, there's somebody out there that's looking to make the change. Right. And then oftentimes that person that was a big asset becomes a liability within the new system. And are you beholden to the people to, to a single person or a couple of people that, that helped you be successful in the past, or are you willing to lean into the future and and look for success in the present and in the future? And sometimes it's a hard decision to make because we, we love people. We love relationships. That that's just part of life. Mm -hmm. But if you cling to that, you're going to struggle and and you're really going to struggle to grow. And that's a big part of change management too. And, you know, that, that comes with, you know, we talk even bigger changes. You think about the growth of a company and whether it's our company or anybody's company is, you know, that first 2 million, it takes a certain group of people mm-hmm. to get you there. Right. And, and then to go to five, sometimes there's 20% of those people that don't make that change that can't, that mentality difference of five and then to 10 and then from 10 to 20 and from 20 to 50, it takes different types of people because when you, as you grow, you have to automate so many things. You have to change so many things. And some people can make that and some people can't. And if you go do studies on that, I know you've studied that some, mm-hmm. is, you know, the type of people that are with you at 2 million are not the same people that are with you at 10, that are not the same people that are always with you at 20. And so there's a lot of people that can make that. But there's a lot of people that can help you get to that point, but can't get past it. And so what the options are, well, let's just stick right here. Let's stick it. Let's don't grow. Well, we know when you don't grow, what happens? I'm talking about change management. That's really big stuff. Right. Is when you're talking about 
taking even executives in the company sometimes that can't make that next step and knowing that when you make that change, you're probably going to lose some of them. And that's, that's tough. Um, boy, do we have a few stories about that? <laughs> probably more than we want to cover or talk goodness, about goodness gracious. Talk about in this podcast. Yeah, certainly. Um, but I think that's a good place to stop. I think we covered a lot of content in this, Tim, and, and that it's come up with a plan first and foremost, come up with a conceptual idea of what you want it to look like backwards plan from there, get your people their wins, you know, eat that elephant one bite at a time. It allows you to grow the system and implement the system, but it also allows you to grow and implement your people and, and allow your people to change along the way and doing it slowly, doing it steadily and effectively while leading them from the front. in that process, I think is, is huge for change management. Final thoughts on that. Understand both the opportunities and the consequences of it. It's the dose of reality of knowing what those hurdles are going into it. Just knowing that up front, when you make the decision to go, at that point in time, don't hesitate, go. Love it. Don't hesitate and go. That's that's the quick start, um, the ever-present <laughs> quick start of, of Tim L.A. starting it's, there. It's that easy. Just go. <laughs> just just go and we'll figure it out along the way. <laughs> right. So, man, Tim, great episode. I certainly appreciate your time, buddy, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Devin. All right. And just a reminder for our listeners, if you haven't yet subscribed to our podcast, you can find us on the Apple and the Android store. You can also go to our website at accessefm.com and find us there. Find us on social media, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook. Give us a like, thumbs up, tweet. We're always looking to get feedback. Appreciate you guys listening. Music.